A spectator subscription is now better value than ever before. As a new subscriber joining today, you'll pay just £1 a week for unlimited online and app access in your first year. To subscribe today, go to spectator.co.uk forward slash unlimited. Hello and welcome to Marshall Matters with me, Winston Marshall at The Spectator. In this series, I've been exploring freedom of expression in the creative industries, amongst other things. And today I'm joined by actor turned politician and now again, actor Lawrence Fox. Lawrence, welcome. Hi, Ron. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. Well, can I start by saying congratulations after a very tempestuous couple of years where I think January 2020 you appeared on BBC Question Time and shortly after for the opinions you expressed there which seems to be on the whole Britain isn't racist yeah you lost your agent you were in a battle with equity the actors union and your two decade long acting career seemed to unravel quite quickly but you're back I'm off sabbatical, yeah. <laughs> and you have just put out, released My Son Hunter, a short biopic about Joe Biden, President of the United States, son Hunter Biden, and his relationship with his son. So tell us about Hunter Biden. Oh, dear old Hunter. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I'm back, by the way. I think it's more a sabbatical from cancellation, huh. which is, um, well, I hope it isn't, but I think it, it probably is. Hunter Biden is a very troubled guy, isn't he? And he seems to, as far as the laptops are concerned, have pretty much helped sell America to the Chinese, as far as I can gather. But you don't really want to do... Um, it's difficult now, because I've got two perceptions of him. One, as a professional, you know, as an artist, you just go, I've just got to represent the humanity of this person and not judge them. Otherwise, you just look, naff, I hate actors that do play political roles politically. And then I've got my private perception of him, which is, you know, less charitable, I suppose. But the I acting of him was more charitable. The film does a good job of showing the hardship he's had you know his mother and sister killed in a car crash early and then his brother beau dying of a brain tumor and you do a good job i think of showing that side of him as well as the more difficult morally questionable aspects of him so i think in terms of a piece of art, you do that. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. Thumbs up. But let's talk about the Chinese corruption. You say that he has sold out America to China. What exactly has he done? Well, you know, there's, there's all of the deals that were done, which are chronicled in the film, from the face recognition technology companies, all of this stuff that he did for China. And, you know, in the name of, in the name of his dad, in these names of these deals. And he got... There is, you know, chronicled this 10% for the big guy. Mm. So that's what I mean. The big guy is the, Joe Well, Biden. I think, who else would the big guy be? Mm. So you've got Biden, you've got Joe, and then his brother, I can't remember his brother's name. You sort of wipe it, don't you, actually, once you've done something. You've just, I've completely wiped that script from my brain and all of the things about what right, it did. Okay. But, you know, you've sort of, it's clearly chronicled in the laptop from hell and in in the film you know yeah. he got laptop from hell is the is the book, Wonder by, book yeah. yeah and then what's astonishing is that people still 
think that it's contested whether the laptop is authentic or not. Well, let's go into the history for people who might not know. In April 2019, a laptop turned up in Hunter Biden's home state of Delaware in a repair shop. Later that year, it was confiscated by the FBI. Not much more was heard of it, but a copy of the laptop, the hard drive, was sent to Rudy Giuliani's lawyer, and that was September 2020. And the New York Post reported on the story October 2020, so just before the presidential elections, and that story was completely and utterly silenced by social media. Twitter took down the story. Only last month, Mark Zuckerberg admitted on the Joe Rogan podcast that he was told to by the FBI. So for the first week of the story, he, he deboosted it. He admitted long before that that he'd done that, though, in a congressional committee hearing, hmm. Mark Zuckerberg. He admitted that he, what he told Joe Rogan wasn't news. He'd, hmm. he'd said that very soon after. Hmm. But that is terrifying, isn't it? Just the idea... And I think they did some polling on your sort of sane Democrats rather than the sort of squad Democrats mm. to find out whether it might or might not have affected their vote. Mm. And, and they were saying it did. So Yeah, I saw one poll saying 4.8% of Democrats would have voted the other way, which could have been enough to change the result of the election. So it's pretty terrifying, isn't it, that big tech have this power. And, you know, bearing in mind that there was four years from 2016 of the Democrats saying that Trump had only got in on Russian collusion and he, they, he basically spent four years investigating him and impeaching him and doing all those sorts of things. Whatever your views are on Trump, mm. it was pretty underhanded play. Mm-hmm. So then to find out that big tech had then censored this mm-hmm. and, you know, like Twitter stopped showing New York, the New York Post story and Zuckerberg deboosting it, that is essentially, I mean, I'm not sure what other word you could use for it other than election rigging in a way, because you're affecting the result, you're potentially affecting the result of an election, and that is therefore rigging it. Well, I mean, certainly free speech seems to be in dire state in in America and and here as well. So for you making the film, was there a a motivation to get this story out? Is this an issue that really is important to you? Not really. You know, for me, I just, it's sort of boring. I'm an artist, you know, that's what I am. I've been sucked into another realm, which is unusual and unfamiliar territory for me. Mm. But I want to be an artist. So it was the only script anyone's ever sent me in the sort of two years. Not so much since Question Time. My agent hung on for a bit. But then once the um, people started calling me a racist and stuff like that, then my agent ditched me. So it's the only script I got. So the, I quite like playing troubled people. So mm-hmm. that was fun. I am interested in, in American politics. So, but I wasn't like, yes, oh God, Hunter Biden, I must play him. Mm. It was more, this is a fascinating story. And I also want to work again as an actor in front of a camera because I missed it. I mean, it seems so ludicrous that the state of filmmaking is that if you have your opinions you can lose as much as you've lost. Do you think it's justified? Do you think it's fair enough? Should actors stay out of politics? Or, you know, have you been treated unfairly, whereas some actors can happily announce their support of various political leaders, but if you support the wrong, quote-unquote, wrong political leaders, you lose it all? Well, I mean, some actors can punch comedians in the face and get a um, standing ovation. You know what I mean? Hmm. Their careers aren't over. 
I think it depends. Certainly there's a, there is a bias towards anything which is deemed as... I think sort of so very small C social or even classical liberalism, which is I suppose where I am actually at. I've probably mm-hmm. got a few more right wing views and some left wing views as well, but I'm probably in the middle. The Overton political Overton windows had to move so far in one direction just to accommodate this new, very censorious woke movement that yeah, I mean I, I felt personally very upset this week about that because it's like I was trained to do this job. And as you say, there's millions of actors that turn around and will come out in support of what can say horrendous things, actually. Some of the things that, I mean, particularly some of the things Maxine Peake, I've seen her. Who's that? I don't know. She's an actress, you know, hugely left-wing actress. And some of the things she's said and got away with and is almost applauded for, I think is damaging for free speech because it means that, you know, who wants to watch sort of morally superior moral lecture in show business or within the arts so should we stay out of politics i think it's bad it's bad both ways because you don't want you don't want woke right-winging which is essentially what my son hunter could be if it hadn't been directed by such a good director in robert darby it could have been a sort of right we're going to troll and stick two fingers up to all of the wokies and you don't want extreme left-wing thinking you want some you want a conversation between the two that's what i'm kind of keen on but yeah i did, i certainly felt that it was a sort of moment wasn't it that question time i said what from what i hear a lot of people say to me you said what needed to be said at the time it needed to be said which mm. is to stop bringing immutability into people's right to have an opinion mm about things so that's what happened you know and I think I, I think what happened to me is not massively dissimilar from what happened to you is it, it's it, the more they expect you to have one view and you maybe don't have that view yeah the bigger your punishment needs to be in order to put others off making the same transgression did you have a feeling going into that BBC question time that you would lose your career for expressing your opinion did you have a sense before going into it that actually you were self-censoring or that you couldn't really express yourself within the creative industries, within film? It was fine for years. I never haven't expressed myself, as you well know. You know, I always say what I think, but it was fine. And then there was this sudden and quite swift emergence of, you know, this idea of oppression, diversity, equity and inclusion. I remember my final acting job before this Hunter film was a White Lines Netflix series and they offered me the job in the room then there was this long conversation about the fact that if they hired they were deciding whether to make me black or white and I was like why don't you just get the best person for the job so the real hyper racialized consciousness came into the business and then you know a lot of actors would carry on behaving totally normally but there would be a small coterie of the permanently offended and oppressed Hmm. who would complain and I would get irritated when someone who's being paid £25,000 a week was talking about how you know underrepresented they have been and and how you know they believe that they're the victims of oppression in some way and I'm like going if you're the victims of racial oppression then you know you're doing pretty well out of it on 25 grand a week at the end of the day and also there was this consciousness right 
long before, films have always been diverse, haven't they? You know, I was watching Backdraft the other day because I like watching old kind of tub-thumping American movies. I don't know Backdraft. It's a movie, it was one of the last movies made without CGI about fire. So it's about a fireman. It's, it's a thriller. It's a brilliant movie. Uh-huh. And it's beautifully directed. But it's very diverse and you never notice. But now, because of the hyper-racialization of everything, you notice, don't you? And that's something that makes me really sad. I hate seeing skin colour. Do you have a sense of whether in the industry that these ideas that you're criticising are, are, are popularly held or is it a minority within the industry or of gatekeepers who are controlling the narrative in that sense? How, on whole, how would you describe the film industry? Is it a, a homogenous in, in its thought or is there a mixed group? It's definitely a mixed group. I mean, look, the further away, you must have had this as well when you were playing, the further away you are from the camera the views are more sort of rounded and, you know, there's more banter. And the closer you get to the camera and the sort of intelligentsia, the more left-wing. So it sort of starts off right-wing as you walk on set to go past the chippies and stuff like that. And it gets steadily yeah. more left-wing as you arrive in front of the camera. <laughs> so I think, I think it is a minority, but it's a well-supported and funded minority, isn't it? Diversity, equity, inclusion, which essentially is the exact opposite of what it says, is now kind of kneaded into all of these films, showbiz, all of it. You know, you've got BAFTA, you've got RADA sent an email round apologising for being really racist. And it's just like, David Harewood and Adrian Lester came out of RADA. O.T. Fogbenley came out of RADA. These are great actors. Hmm. You know, what are you apologising for? Hmm. So I do think it, it, the movement is capturing on something which is true, which is a sense that there is a sense of guilt, a colonial guilt. I think people do feel that sense of colonial guilt. And then it's been targeted to undermine good relationships. And What's colonial guilt? Well, you know, there is a sense, I think, in people that, you know, we just went all over the world and took over and, you know, did some bad things. But And I think people think that we, you know, I go, we also gave people the rule of law, equality under law, the English language, and some really great infrastructure as well. So I suppose there does need to be a balanced conversation, but there's a lot amongst, certainly amongst upper middle class, tends to be upper middle class, well-educated, white-skinned people who really love their white guilt colonialism Mm. thing. Do Mm. you know what I mean? Yeah. It gives them a, a hand in the game of the woke poker. But it seems like with this film that, that we might be at the beginning of the fight back against Hollywood. Your co-star, Gina Carano, who was a star of the Lucasfilms Mandalorian uh, series, and she was cancelled from that series. For people who don't know, she was an MMA fighter star, the, the sort of most famous female MMA fighter turned uh, movie star. And she, you know, she got cancelled and it was because she'd put some social media out comparing the treatment of Republicans to the treatment of the Jews by the Nazis, which, to my personal taste, is maybe a bit far. However, given that we're constantly hearing how everyone's a Nazi all the time, it seems a little bit hypocritical that as soon as someone who's got Republican sympathies uses the Nazi reference, loses her acting career, it seems a little bit unjust. Nevertheless, Gina is back with you, and uh, not only that, she's with the Daily Wire, I've been making other films. Is this the beginning of, of people saying, well, we've had enough within your industry, we've had enough of Hollywood and the, the ideological capture, we're going to make our own films? 
You'd hope so, wouldn't you? But, you know, in, in an ideal world, Hollywood would make some of them too. It has. Maverick, Top Gun, is not an ideologically synonymous with the mainstream Hollywood thinking. So there are, and they do really well, and the terminal list as well, the Amazon thing, is also not ideologically aligned with mm. Hollywood. So I think they're starting to get a smell of it. But, yeah, I think there's probably going to have to be a par- two parallel cultures for a while, which is a real shame, because they d- won't speak to each other which you want them to. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this film. I think I spoke to the director and I think the website went down because so many people tried to download it. So that was good on day one. And then it's... The doing director Robert Davi. Robert Davi, yeah. Davi. And he, you know, we'll just have to see. I, what I can say is, I had the, it was one of the nicest atmospheres I've ever was worked it? in. And Gina, yeah, you can say that this the Hitlerian thing is... The minute someone starts going down the Hitlerian analogy path, you've already lost the argument. There is that to be said. But there is a rising authoritarianism. And, you know, I don't really know what else to compare Joe Biden's speech to other than something, you know, you could call it Star Warsian, I suppose. Or Which it, Joe Biden speech? Did you just not see his speech in Pennsylvania, was it? Oh, I saw With, a photograph. What? Oh, watch the speech and it will terrify you. Yeah. It's really, really frightening. So I think that her analogies... Anyway, I think she comes from a spiritual place. I spoke to her on the... I had a very, very long chat with her the other day because she turned off... She's removed her social media accounts. Not Instagram, but she's removed Twitter. And she just said, I don't want to give people access to me anymore. And I need to... I want to rediscover art and what it is. And I think it's really amazing that she's done that. She's one of the most generous-spirited wonderfully clever Hmm. kind people that i've ever worked with and yet she's cast as this sort of evil nazi you know that's what they say don't they Hmm. but they say that about me too do you get a sense working with her of of the climate in in american political culture where it seems from the outside to be worse even in here in britain she says it's a, a real mess and she, you know, I've got to be careful what I say. I don't want to speak for her. Obviously. Yeah. But yeah, you know, if you think about it, America has a huge... One of the things that was pointed out to me the other day, which is really interesting, America, almost everyone in America is on a pill of some kind or another, for mm-hmm. example, you know, and there's obviously a huge opioid problem in America. And all of those drugs are made in China. So if China decides to turn off the tap and the supply chain goes and you suddenly have a bunch of Americans that all go into withdrawal at the same time, that could be quite a substantial problem. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know why I rambled off on that <laughs> side. Note, but, uh, that how, are you, was, how are you linking that to, uh, what, to the conversation? Well, I don't know. <laughs> what, I was thinking, I, was, I don't know, it just it was one of those things that shocked me when I was told it. I don't know how it links. Sorry, bad segue. <laughs> Forgive me. But you, you have now really lent into a political career and it's really impressive that with all the abuse you you've got you've kind of turned it around and you ran in the london mayoral election and won yeah and won of course <laughs> and now i understand you've launched the bad law project what can you tell us about that yeah because i don't want to be a politician really i in fact you're I doing don't... a good job of fooling everyone well but... I'm, I'm cultural i care about the culture i mm. really do and i care about free speech ultimately that's what i care about the most mm. so the bad law project actually exists to remove the politics from foundational institutions like the police and the nhs and mm-hmm. education 
and the church, if possible, but look, looks way too far gone. So it's just to take the politics out of it, which is odd because the reclaimed party exists to put some politics into things. Mm-hmm. So one would hope by removing the politics from... It's a political stance to try and remove you know, political so ideas. How are you doing that? What's an example? Well, okay, so Darren Brady, the ex-military veteran who was given a non-crime hate incident for sharing my post of the four pride flags together to form the swastika. Mm-hmm. Um, Which, did you get suspended from Twitter for that? I was suspended from Twitter for that as well, yeah. And then, and, and what happened? Did you have to remove the... I had to remove the offending tweet, and which I'm more than happy to do, because mm-hmm. I did it just to prove exactly what was going to happen would happen, which mm-hmm. is what would an authoritarian totalitarian do if you put up the wrong flag? Mm-hmm. They make you remove it. Mm-hmm. So I did that, and then he, um, and, you know, one mustn't, this is only one flag that must not be criticised, which is interesting. So Darren then reposted it, and he didn't even repost it, he just said, what do we think of this? On Facebook, and he got visited by two coppers. And then they rearranged to visit, he contacted us, Mad Law Project, and we made sure we were there. And we then read them the riot act and inform them of the law that they were actually in contravention of the law not carrying out police procedure correctly and stuff like that and we made a huge ruckus and since then the chief constable of hampshire police has been removed and she's gone so that's one bad apple out of the barrel which is a really good thing in terms of education we've got within personal social health and economic classes sounds all very chilled and religious and spiritual... Uh, no, it's not... It's RSE, whatever that stands for. Um, you're having kids taught uh, gender ideology and the concept of white privilege and diversity, equity and inclusion and stuff like that. And that's very dangerous stuff to teach kids. So we will be taking out cases against schools who adopt these teaching practices in their PSHG classes. We have a case against a prominent clinic who are stopping a psychologist getting promoted uh, getting qualified sorry because she will not admit her own racism inherent racism so that's so what i can we're see how do. on that last example how that would be an intrusion on someone specific and and uh, but with the school the school example how would you how do you legally fight the schools teaching gender ideology or crt how do you go about suing a school or, or well it's, i don't think it's so much about suing necessarily suing the school what well, it is about drawing atten- parents attention to what their kids are being taught so that the parents come together to form groups to stop it so you don't necessarily have to get legal okay. with it you just have to say within this you know for example the legal route the legislative god i hate saying words like that <laughs> route down would be to say that the pshe does it which has no defined curriculum do teachers just Google it and go, I've got to teach PSH, what shall I teach? And promoted sources up the top, things like Stonewall Young Champions or Twinkle and other organisations that promote all of this stuff. A legislative way of doing it would to be give it, a, give it a defined curriculum uh-huh. and decide what was and wasn't going to go in there. You don't want critical race theory being taught to children. Why would you teach kids to be racist? That's mm-hmm. a really bad idea. So you can do it legally, but you can also do it just by the thing of going to parents. Here's what's being taught. You know, because parents don't want to believe it. You know, they want to trust that schools in loco parentis are doing the best things to children that they can. Mm. But actually, you know, schools are very, very heavily involved in the indoctrination of our kids, you know. Yeah. And it needs highlighting. Yeah. Have you you've seen this in your own kids' schools, I imagine? Only in one of them. Uh-huh. The other school I'm actually pretty impressed with. But yes, it's bad in, in all schools, you know. 
But in one, I asked for the teaching resources and was just pretty blown away. What I can't understand is how on one part of the thing they teach about keeping signs for FGM, watching out for the signs of FGM either having taken place or about to take place when girls reach puberty, that they may go for a slightly longer holiday back to their country of origin to visit family, you know, for some sort of, you know, and so we're teaching, keep an eye out for the mutilation of young, innocent girls' uh, genitals. But on the other side, you're saying, we're going to teach that boys can be girls and girls can be boys and promote the idea of mutilating children's genitals for a different ideological reason. So it's it's very inconsistent and extremely dangerous. Mm. You know, kids don't need that in their heads. Kids, it's the last thing a child needs is to be taught... Being a child, as you you know, as we all can remember, is hard enough. Mm. You know, discovering the world without being told that there is no factual and there is no permanent reality, and that it's so flexible that you could be a girl or a boy. It's just not true. Mm. So I think that's really dangerous in schools. It's certainly dangerous. It feels like there's a little bit of a turnaround now in the UK with the Tavistock Centre being told it has to close its doors. The pushback now is gaining speed, but I guess the concept of truth of, I mean, the mutilation of children is absolutely disgusting but at the very core the idea that you're confusing children about what truth is Mm. sets you up for you know very confusing adolescence on top of everything yeah but it's the point of postmodernism, isn't it is to say that there's no such thing as truth Mm. but you know look where postmodernism and marxism and that sort of thinking's taken the world yeah you know it's a pretty dark and dangerous area so you're clearly a man whose blood boils about some serious, you know, very serious issues in society. You clearly love your family and your, your country, but is there, is, what's the driving force? What do you care most about? What, do you, what is it that gets you to, to do all of these many things that you're, you're Everybody's pursuing? right to an opinion. Everyone has the right to one, you know, and I don't like injustice naturally because my mum was very strong on that. But she would always, my mum was very, very much, you know, let people speak, listen to them, draw them out, find out what they think, you know, disagree, have big rows, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But listen and respect other people's point of view or don't respect it, but take it seriously. Don't just because, you know, the reason I think why a lot of conservative thinking is shut down is because it's very good at spotting the inconsistencies of, you know, extreme left thinking. So they just go, right, we've got to cancel you because, you know, we cannot tolerate the strength of your argument in return. Whereas what you really want is you want the more left-leaning ideas to pick at the inconsistencies of the more right-leaning ideas Mm -hmm. and and have a central thing. So it's a free expression thing Mm -hmm. for me. And how can I walk onto a film set and act if I've got, or I'm already worried about what I think Mm -hmm. and whether I can express that? How can you create anything? Hence why a lot of what we watch nowadays is pretty like, you know, mm-hmm. it's a bit kind of yawny, yeah. a lot of it. So I think people, the more people become frightened to express themselves, the lower quality of drama you get, mm-hmm. the lower quality of music you get, the lower quality of everything. And we want the most quality. And I just, I also love talking with people mm-hmm. and listening to people. Your consistency in, in defending free speech, I think, was proved in your defence of the football player Trevor Sinclair, mm. who, uh, when Her Majesty the Queen passed away, 
I, I guess, attacked her in a tweet or, or wouldn't be mourning, grieving her. I don't remember exactly what he said. And is it Talk Sport or Sky? Yeah, Sky? I saw it on Talk Sport said, you know, we've been trying to contact, don't worry, everyone, we've been trying to contact Trevor Sinclair to tell him we'd been distancing themselves from his views and all mm. that. And it's like, guys, no one's out to get you. Yeah. You know, if you just calm down for a minute, he's totally entitled to say what yeah. he thinks. I think what he says is horrible. Yeah. But, but that's it, but, one of the problems of free speech, you know? Some of it's pretty horrible. and So they suggest, though, that, you know, earlier in this conversation, you've hinted that it's a problem of, of the woke, let's say, or, or progressive capture of certain institutions. But the free speech issue is certainly not just a left-wing or progressive problem. Trevor Sinclair, in this sense, would be the, the, the progressive who's... The, who's the right-wing want to cancel. Exactly. Yeah, and that's bad. Mm. Why be the opposite of them? Hmm. That's not what you want in life. You know, we're all, without going becoming too spiritual about it, we're all unique and we're all equal as well. So you shouldn't pitch your tent above somebody else. So you have to be consistent. And unfortunately, that does come with going, yeah, Trev, I think that's a pretty nasty thing to say, but you have a right to say it. And people have a right to go cancel him, but I'm just not going to be one of them. I don't believe in cancelling people. I think everything revolves around free speech. Without it, we have succumbed. Unless we hold on to it, we are, we're over. Democracy is over. The mm-hmm. West is over. The West is built around the ideas of free speech. You know, mm. other, other cultures are not built around the idea of free speech. They're built around the ideas of compelled speech and look at the directions they go in. Mm. You don't find people on dinghies from Australia to China. Mm-hmm. You know, you do find them walking across the Rio Grande from Mexico into the USA. Mm-hmm. You know, people head towards places where free speech is sacrosanct. Absolutely. They don't head in the other direction. Mm. Well, Lawrence, thank you so much for your time today. And can you tell listeners how they can watch your new film, My Son Hunter? I think, I think you can go to www.mysonhunter.com, I think. And yeah, I haven't done it. I'm told it's easy. I'm not going to pay for a film I was in. I'll get a free screener. Actually, can you send me the screener they sent you? I got a screener. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So, um, and then you click on it and it sends you a six digit text message. Great. And then you're on. Well, I've seen the film. And if you don't understand the Hunter Biden story, it's a great entry point to get into what is a very murky confusing keep in mind the laptop there were tens of thousands of emails not all of which have been verified but a good amount have been verified so it's a very kind of nebulous world to enter but certainly this film goes into exposing the president's links to this corruption in ukraine in china and uh, beyond and i recommend it to listeners i'm sure you'll enjoy and lawrence congratulations for being back behind a camera and on the silver screen. Thanks, my love.